What does an individual need in order to feel safe? Um, you need to feel trust. You know, so if before we were talking skeptically about home office, are you really working when you have home office or are you just doing your laundry and, and painting your nails? That conversation is hopefully going to become obsolete. Hello and welcome to the Inside Corporate Finance and Risk podcast. This is a series exploring the latest trends and topics in the corporate world. I'm Matt Locke, and today we will speak about what effective leaders can do to maintain employee motivation during the crisis. Now, to date, we focused on core topics like liquidity, supply chains, and working capital. However, without a positive mindset and motivated employees, none of this is really feasible. Therefore, today, we've invited our Chief People Officer at Deloitte Switzerland, Liza Engel. Liza, thank you for joining us. A pleasure to be here. I couldn't agree more. I think those motivated employees are, are quite essential for corporate success. Thank you, Liza. Now, Liza, just a quick introduction to you. You manage over 2,000 employees here in Switzerland. And the main focus of today's topic is about the positive and negatives of working in this new environment and this new norm that we're starting to embrace and certainly in, in being in our houses a lot more. So tell me first, though, how have you been coping with the pandemic so far? Coping is an interesting word. What does it mean? Coping is just barely getting by, right? Um, I'd say like everybody else, on some days uh, I felt like I was failing miserably. Uh, and some days I think I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And uh, usually uh, now and again, there's a reset required. I think the first month was um, the greatest challenge, fully in the, the crisis modus. And then uh, as I fell flat on my face, realized I need to reset and get my order back in and um, been doing better the second month. Thanks for asking. It takes a lot of energy, doesn't it? You, you end up expending a lot of emotional energy in just trying to uh, adapt to a new environment. And I think that's probably what we're experiencing. I just wanted to say, I think uh, to be kind to all of us, an important point is we've never done this before. We've all been facing something that none of us have ever done. And we think we can be easy on ourselves and, and dare to make a few mistakes along the way. Um, I think in general, most people I've spoken to are have learned so much over these last two months and we're going to come out good out of this. I hope so. I think in some respects, it's good to try and look at other countries who perhaps have been closer or are further down the, the, the pandemic line than, than we are at the moment. And uh, one in particular, I think that we could look on is, is Canada. How does it look like in terms of going back to work there? Canada is my, actually my home country, um, and so there's uh, some connections there. I'm having lots of conversations with uh, friends and, and also Deloitte Canada and what they're doing. Um, what was really interesting as we were getting into this is that each country was in a different phase. So depending when it hit you, and if you remember back to how this began here in Switzerland, you know, literally we were watching what's happening in Italy and, and couldn't imagine that happening here. And then suddenly two weeks later, we were in the same reality. Um, so what I think, you know, to answer your question about different countries, what one observation is that you really see the difference in, in from country to country, uh, politics, law, leadership, and culture. This is where it all comes together. And, you know, Canada, it is a land of, um, you know, the ones who were originally there, are the native background, then there are the Europeans who came over. And at that time, they had to conquer uh, Canada and fight and survive the elements and the weather and the animals. And the only way possible was to connect together and to form a community. So that sense of community is really strong in Canada. So one of the areas where Canada was really leading was in, as an organization, as a corporate, to be able to um, extend your help to the greater sense, uh, the greater community around you. So that was a great example of Canada. Do you think that most countries will be left with a greater sense of community 
I hope so. Right now we're doing a lot of forecasting, obviously. Um, I think it became clear that um, nobody could get through this on their own, um, even those who thought they might be able to. You know, at some point in time, you hit a wall. You know, this is something greater than a country. This is the whole entire world. Um, if we can't manage to connect together and, and do the right thing, um, nobody's going to be the winner here. And my personal resolve is to make sure that I spend more money with local businesses, having seen how much they've been affected. I think that's something that will change. Is I hope you'll see a positive movement towards supporting local community from a, from a business perspective as well. Absolutely. So recognizing that we're doing this from our respective homes and we, we've now kind of had to adapt and we're all very much in the, the work from home mentality. In other interviews, we talked a lot about technology, but I didn't want to go down that path with you because I think there's an awful lot to talk about in terms of how do we make our people feel safe, engaged, informed, and probably most important, feel useful. Yeah, it's um, start with the word safe there. Um, I would have to ask that question with the question, what does an individual need in order to feel safe? Um, you need to feel trust. You know, so if before we were talking skeptically about home office, are you really working when you have home office or are you just doing your laundry and, and painting your nails? That conversation is hopefully going to become obsolete and you need to trust um, that your employees are doing the right thing and they need to feel that trust from you. Um, and then, of course, if you make your, the decisions along the way, you know, obviously, a lot of organizations have had to make really difficult decisions the last few weeks. Usually those things that are difficult, we tend to not talk too much about them. So we just decide them and then you know try and keep them as quiet as possible. That doesn't create trust. What you need to do is be really very open about it. And one of the questions that I, I like to lead to in that context, so imagine your boardroom of difficult conversations, difficult decisions. I think the question you have to ask yourself is, if I make this choice, will my top performers stay with me when the market goes up? And I think if you have that sentence on your boardroom, you'll be doing all right and you'll ensure that you're communicating the right things and that will create a, a sense of trust and people will feel safe. Well, I, I have to grab hold of an example that I saw, which is shocking, but um, an estate agents in London waited until 5.45 p.m. on the Friday just to run a Zoom conference with a large proportion of their staff just to tell them that their accounts have been locked and they've been made redundant. And even if it was an economically led decision, anyone who's left has completely broken the trust bond. They're not going to want to stay with an organization that behaves so badly. Absolutely. There's a perfect example of what not to do, right? So if my direct team, um, we would have had um, weekly catch-ups, um, actually bi- or bi-weekly catch-ups, whatever, but you, you didn't do daily calls with your teams. You know That wasn't done before. And one of the things that I switched into in, in those very difficult few weeks was, okay, we're going to have a call every single morning. It became the 9 a.m. call for 30 minutes. It was optional. Um, the best way to get people to join is to say it's optional. Uh, there was great attendance. And the purpose of the meeting had was twofold. One was care. We care for each other. We're going to check in with each other and connect and and see how everybody's doing. And the second uh, objective of the meeting was to update what is going on, what is different, what do we need to to deal with uh, with our clients and so on. And um, that created so much a sense of trust. People felt really engaged, informed. It was useful. And when we felt that there was less need for conversation, we just did a voting, dialed it down. And currently we just went from twice a week to once a week. and, And that seems to be all right. Excellent. You're right. You know when to build more trust, but then also you know that sometimes you can step away because the structure and the trust is there. So that's Mm -hmm. lovely to hear. 
So moving on, we, we noted that many employees are caught in that trap of working for longer hours at home and boundaries around booking meetings between, say, 9am and 5pm are no longer the case. By encroaching on the time, you, you find that employees must find it very hard to compartmentalise between work and non-work lives. Any thoughts on how best to manage that? And that's a genuine question coming from somebody who's found themselves on calls at 10 o'clock at night recently. Absolutely. I mean, that's the the common denominator I've heard from people who have families, but also people who don't have families. So I've heard from people who don't have families, for instance, are quite irritated. They used to be the ones who would send out the last and first emails. And now they're realizing, you know, the some of the parents have had to shift and and, and it seems like 24-7 working, right? And that's not sustainable. For a couple of weeks in a crisis, fine, uh, possible, but it is not sustainable. And one of my favorite words that I've, I'm going to steal from, from somebody else, uh, but that I heard was guardrails. You need to set up guardrails. So, you know, I'm in my, my office here at home and, and right downstairs is the kitchen and basically on my way home to the kitchen or to the, that area, common area, you should really go for a short walk. You take a, you know, a 10 minute walk and, and just as you normally would get some fresh air and you come back in, you know, honey, I'm home and you start the second phase. So I think um, having some physical boundaries are really important. Um, I mentioned earlier that the first month I really struggled and then I had to set up my set up, reset um, my modus. And that was really about guardrails. Okay. What did I do before for a sustainable, healthy way of working? How how did I take care of my well-being before and what do I need to change now? Um, and to be very concrete, what we've, what we've looked at is, um, you know, within teams, not everybody, you know, if I'm leading a team, I can make those rules, right? But what if you're an employee and, and you feel that, you know, your, your boss or whatever has certain expectations of you and, and you're just not able to meet those expectations? So we've been talking a lot about inclusive teaming. What does it mean to have inclusive teaming? And it's a lot about asking those questions, being empathetic and asking the individuals, what do you need to thrive? What's your situation like? Um, you know, perhaps you have a partner at home who is a higher risk individual. There's no way you want to be getting the first in line to get back to the office, right? Um, maybe your child is really struggling. Um, maybe you have a parent to take care of who can't get their own groceries and so on. And it's about having those open and honest conversations. And we're, we're being forced to be much more personal and open about our private lives that we may normally not have done previously. But it's essential to have that openness to be able to then help a team define those guardrails for themselves and then connect with the rest of the team to make it work. My personal prediction on, on that is I think we will see a, a, a reduction in the amount of professional office wear, i.e. suits being worn, given the fact that we've now been given open access to many people's homes through video technology. I think, I now, think that's highly likely. So all of my shoes and whatever, I probably only need about 20% these days, right? Slippers, <laughs> slippers are the new norm. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely i mean I, I guess now we are moving to that stage where many of the offices are starting to open up and we're starting to return to what could be a a new normal and it's worth just pausing at this point as you would do with any crisis to really ask well what do we want that new normal to look like do you have any thoughts or any, anything on your list as things that you would really want to see as part of that new normal 
I was actually just in the office yesterday and, and it's not normal. It's quite empty. Um, and you're being encountered with these, you know, these plexiglass partitions um, at receptions. You have to find a new way to connect. Humor works well for me. Um, I made jokes about it and, and try to connect anyway with people. But you don't go to the office and expect to have that same experience right now because it's just not the way it is. And I think one of the, the common denominators, which is one of the greatest challenges, is that um, everybody has different needs. So, you know, in general, a good, I don't know, 30% cannot wait to get back to the office. And they're very engaged and passionate about having everything go back to the way it was. And you have another 30% who definitely does not want to be the first one back. They're, they're holding off and they're wondering if there's going to be a second wave and, and they're being very risk averse as they should, because that's what's best for them. Then you have the sort of the middle pack, the other 40%, and they are not quite sure what to do. And, and so you're sort of looking for signals from other people. So I think the common denominator is that you have to find solutions that provide individual options. And then it becomes the role of the team leader to find those options um, that work. And so all of us, our organizations are challenged to rethink how we have policies. We don't have one size fits all for this. Uh, I think the winner will be the one that, that provides the most flexibility, which is normally not for large organizations. You're about economies of scale. One size fits all is, is the most efficient way, right? And I think right now that these decisions we make around flexibility will determine what kind of a culture you want to have in the future. Do you want, going back to the, do you want people to be passionate and accept these difficult decisions because it was the right thing to do because you're still taking care of me and I trust that you're leading me on the right way? Or am I really skeptical and feeling very hurt that you're not listening to me and recognizing my personal needs? And I think that will differentiate the performance of organizations. I think the ones that do emanate trust and do have that conscious focus on their staff will be the ones that are more successful in the long run. I think in, in Switzerland, that's, uh, the terminology is duty of care. An employer has a duty of care for your employee, and that's all about your safety at the workplace and so on. Um, this goes beyond the duty of care. If you just do the bare minimum, I don't think you'll be leading the pack, uh, to be honest. When the war for talent really picks up again and uh, an economy is running, I think people will remember these difficult times and how you were. And I think this is really the opportunity to step forward and, and lead the way. And what are those things? Could you share any top tips of things that may be beneficial to others during this time? Yeah, so I think sort of going back to some of the things I said, um, being adaptive. Being an adaptive leader means um, really engaging with your team and discussing what options are there. You'll be surprised at what creative solutions come out there. Um, as a leader, you don't have to have all the solutions. You can put these great Zoom calls together or Microsoft Teams or Skype, whatever you're using, and pose a question and ask them to look for solutions. Um, I think also we just um, this week sent out some communications about providing care packages for our, our employees. I had this morning an individual on the phone who had tears. She was so touched that we had gone through the, the thought to provide a care package. She hadn't even seen the care package yet. She just read a sentence about it. And that level of emotion, which is not very common, I would say, in, in the workplace, in the Swiss market, that was an example of how touched people are. So just picking up the phone and calling and asking, are you okay? What can I do for you? Come on, let's have a moment here together and, and, and you know, also discuss some lighter things. So ensuring inclusive teaming is really 
reaching out. So you said we don't want to talk about technology with me, but you can use technology in such a great way. You know, there's opportunities to connect and actually even a positive out of that. So I've got some people in Geneva um, and the rest of the team is in Zurich. And the, you know, the Geneva office, of course, has always been saying we don't have the same level of information. There is a barrier. It's not fair. It's not equal. Well, this is an opportunity where we have an equal playing ground. Everybody has the same level of information and, and we're all in the same boat. And so finally, we have an opportunity to step into the shoes of the others and make some positive change. And I think, um, you know, so this opportunity to be to be virtually social, uh, replacing all those canceled events with virtual ones, um, being very concrete in your very full day. I know it's there's a lot going on in everybody's lives, but you need to make time every, every day and every week for your people. And then you will get back to having that motivated workforce and that will bring you the profit that you're looking for through all of this. Liza, thank you. As we wrap up, just before you go, I do have one question, which is um, how have you managed to relax? Tell us if there's been, has it been a Netflix series or has it been something sporty based, but would love to hear about what you've done during that decompression time to manage during this time. Certainly. So there's a few there. Um, I'm not a Netflix junkie. And in fact, I found because we're so much digital right now, right? The last thing I need uh, if there's a, you know, the end of the workday is more digital. So going back to what has worked for me in the past, I like to do yoga. Um, I use the Headspace app for meditation, just an espresso shot of, of good stuff for you. So not just the caffeine. Um, that helps me incredibly to, to calm down and to stay focused. Um, for, for those of you that's maybe too uh, esoteric. Um, there's also the opportunity. I live right next to a forest, um, taking a short walk. So even it doesn't always have to be a two-hour thing, but just a, a 20-minute breath of fresh air going to the forest. And one of the, the things that, that's been the most lovely, so I'm, I'm at home, I'm so close to my kids, but sometimes feeling so far away. Um, I, I try to make those times for the kids. And then when my kids are all in bed, um, we do have an older son who can stay with them. And my husband and I go out with a dog for an evening walk, which we never did before, um, have sort of a debrief on the day. And it's been actually a wonderful way to, to keep my sanity. So a bit of movement with yoga, something for myself, for my brain, uh, meditation, and uh, some time with your loved ones. That's my, my secret recipe. That sounds like a perfect recipe. Thank you. Liza, once again, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your practices and tips that you've shared. And no doubt we look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Inside Corporate Finance and Risk podcast. This podcast is provided by Deloitte Switzerland and is intended to provide general information only. This podcast is not intended to constitute advice or services of any kind. We do release new podcasts regularly, and if you subscribe, you won't miss a single one. To stay connected and receive more information on Deloitte service offerings, visit www.deloitte.ch.